And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. It's Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, here as today's host of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-com, entrepreneurship, startups, D2C, Amazon, marketplaces, you name it. Uh, this is our spot to, t- to have these conversations and share value with you guys each and every week. Today, we're going to be talking about how to master your monthly bookkeeping. Uh, and I have an old friend and colleague and uh, e-com expert himself in the space. Before I make an intro, uh, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Nathan Hirsch, welcome to the show. Andrew, thanks for having me. I was telling you before, I, I have a kid due next week. This is my last podcast before for a few months uh, until I, I learn how to keep a baby alive. But kind of blows my mind that people listening to this, I'm, I might be a, a dad in the future. So uh, it's, it's wild. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful. I was taking a few minutes before the show too, just telling Nathan, I think it's uh, one of the most natural callings uh, of a man is to be a father. And I think it's it's beautiful. So um, thanks for being on the show and giving us a little a little bit of your time before you don't have any time to give. I know it'll, it'll be a little bit of a whirlwind, but uh, we'll keep the mother-in-law at bay and hopefully bring some startup hustle listeners uh, some value today. Sounds like a plan. Well, I love um, I love starting the show. Traditionally, uh, getting to know a little bit about Nathan, letting the listeners kind of know your your background uh, before we get into ecom balance and just like you know bookkeeping uh, in your business and how to line that stuff out. How did you get to where you are today? Um, you know, I, has it been multiple startups? Did you know from a kid you wanted to be an entrepreneur? You wanted to be in business? Uh, you know, where's your where's your story begin? I know you just recently moved to Colorado too, so location is as well you've had some some moves and changes um where's your story begin nathan yeah i mean growing up my my parents were both teachers and they i grew up middle class not not poor not rich and i went to school with a a lot of friends that were very wealthy they had parents who are doctors lawyers dentists and my parents from a young age always made me get a job and work for for everything that i wanted if i wanted a video game a bike eventually a car i had to pay for it myself and I think that gave me a a strong work ethic and I learned a lot of skills like sales and customer service, but I also learned that I just hated working for other people. And and I saw entrepreneurship as a way to to be the boss and and take ownership and kind of control uh, my own destiny. So I ended up going to college got a degree and and met my business partner there, uh, but never really used it. I I started an Amazon business out of my college dorm room, uh, buying and selling textbooks, got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to knock it off and stop competing with their bookstore. And that was my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. And I started experimenting. This was 2008, 2009. Amazon was just becoming more than a bookstore. And I was dropshipping years before I even knew it was called dropshipping. That word didn't even exist. I I built all these relationships with hundreds of manufacturers in the US. They didn't understand e-commerce. They didn't know that they could just go and sell it themselves. And I would sell the product, send them an email where to ship the product. 
they'd have my credit card on file and charge me and I'd make the markup. And my, my partner, Connor and I, we, we sold $25 million from about 2008 to 2016. And the, the early wild, wild west of Amazon where, where you can do anything and there wasn't that much competition. Now, growing that business, we struggled to hire. College kids yeah. were, were super unreliable and we were 20. We didn't think we could hire adults. So that brought us to the world of virtual assistants. And as Amazon became more competitive and keep in mind at the beginning, we thought we were going to take down Amazon and be the next e-commerce giant. Uh, we started to offer these VAs and freelancers to other Amazon sellers. And all, all of a sudden networking and conferences and Facebook groups became a thing. And we turned that into our own marketplace to compete with Upwork and Fiverr uh, called FreeUp. And FreeUp was a lot of fun. It was our first B2B business. We got to learn marketing and podcasts and partnerships and SEO and all the stuff that, that goes into it and controlling our own website and not being dependent on Amazon. And we scaled that business from a $5,000 investment to uh, doing about $12 million a year before Whoa. we were acquired in 2019, uh, which is a whole other story we can dive into if you want. And bookkeeping was a big part of it. And the original plan after we exited was to travel the world and take a year off. But we sold it in November 2019 and COVID hit a few months later. So we were in a super weird spot with no company. And all we had done with four years was brainstorm on free up. We had no business ideas. And a buddy, I think, you know, name McAllister, he gave us the idea for outsource school where we would teach people our hiring process, how we interview, onboard, train and manage, give people all of our SOPs that they could just plug into their business and We've been running outsource school for years and have a great community of entrepreneurs that we we teach to hire better and, and to reduce turnover. And that bought us even more time to just brainstorm ideas over the next few years. And we we have a goal now of building a portfolio of what we call uh, boring businesses, things that people don't necessarily like, like hiring, um, like bookkeeping. We have two bookkeeping brands, Ecom Balance and Accounts Balance, one for e-commerce sellers, uh, one for, for agencies. We're working on a, a content SEO uh, high-end high service because we put out a ton of content and we're pretty good at that. So we're always beta testing new ideas and building there. But that's the, the long, short story of, of how I became an entrepreneur and what we've been working on. Serial entrepreneur is, I think, the word, Nathan. Uh, you're a serial entrepreneur. And uh, was just thinking about those Wild West days. Um, you know, you could put almost anything up. But it was like... In, in regards to being able to just sell anything and, and brands not understanding what was happening with wholesaling and reselling and drop shipping, um, there was also no one that had done it before. So there was no like roadmap to that, you know, and you're just, it was so fun. I remember even being in like a car dealership, taking photos of car parts and, uh, you know, creating bundles. Uh, bundles weren't even a thing yet. And I was like doing bundles of like a trailer hitch, a ball mount you know, the wiring harness and, and being like, this is the fit for your truck or your van or, or whatever. Um, in the wild west of Amazon, of eBay, of e-com in general, um, just being a ton of fun. I mean, honestly, I think uh, PPC for Amazon didn't even come out till 2015. Nope. So, yep. you know, you got you had an eight year run there, I think, before people even became aware. And it's very rare, honestly, that I meet people that got into e-commerce or Amazon before me. Uh, so you've got me beat by a few years. I think, uh, for me, it was 2012. So, 
you've got me beat there. Uh, but you know, it did. It just it did start with books. I remember reselling my books. Uh, actually, I was buying used books from a website before Amazon. Uh, so that was very new to be buying um, a book from a website online. You know, a used textbook. But I was paying my own way through school, so um, it was like, yeah, I'll try this weird new thing. You know, that that's happening. It was a lot of fun. Um, and free up all the way to, so I actually got my start in the Amazon world because of Upwork, um, got top 10 in the world on Upwork when they bought, uh, Elance. So, um, very just familiar with like, you know, finding, finding work and, and, um, you know, that, that whole process, which is just interesting. And then an outsource school, helping people with the VAs. And, um, I love how you turned all of them instead of just like putting this all inward and keeping it all inward to build something massive, turning each one into a turnkey solution for others to help others. I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, and I've been talking about specifically, I think like, you know, knowing your numbers, bookkeeping, like econ balance, which we're going to talk about today, uh, is just so, 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 so important. Um, like I'm writing content for LinkedIn and Twitter and YouTube and webinars and everything on my mind is is profitability and looking to educate owners and brand owners around you have to know your numbers. Um, taking two seconds on this because I want to lay the groundwork a little bit for what we're going to talk about. Uh, in 2020, uh, before the pandemic, I was part of a Goldman Sachs. Uh, it's called the 10KSB program out of Babson College in uh, Boston. And, you know, you have to be a business with a, uh, you know, I think 10 employees, at least three years old, a certain amount of revenue, maybe a million in revenue or something to be in the program. So it wasn't like an incubator from scratch, but it was very much like a, an incubator accelerator, a business accelerator. And uh, I went in there and as a business owner, a lot of times you don't get a lot of validation on if you're doing the right thing or not. Should I be focused on sales? Should I be working focused on process? Should I be focused on, you know, training and scaling my team? Should I be focused on Facebook or should it be TikTok or should it be Instagram or should it be Google ads? You know, no one's really validating your moves other than the results, you know, and it can be a thankless job. Well, for me, the accelerator was a huge validation thing, just like, okay, I'm doing the right things in digital marketing. Okay, I'm doing the right things in inbound marketing. Okay, I'm doing the right things in uh, scaling my team. Okay, I'm doing the right things in... But one area I had a lot of insecurity with was finance. And it wasn't that I didn't know how to manage a budget or my business wasn't doing well. It was that I was insecure around terminology, vernacular, um, like how tech speak, so to speak, like how to speak to some of those things. I had had a partner that started the business with me. I bought her out like a couple years into the business, but she had helped me get everything kind of started. And so whenever I bought the business from her, uh, to take complete ownership, I just kind of took over what she had been doing in the books, like, and didn't want to change anything, didn't want to mess anything up. I'm just like, let's keep it going. Uh, but that was, and this is, I'm an agency, so this wasn't as an e-com brand, right? This was as an agency. Um, but going to that uh, Babson College, the 10KSB, the Goldman Sachs program, I left feeling empowered to ask my bookkeepers, my CPAs, the people like, you know, that were helping me in my business, the questions I needed to ask, I didn't know how to ask, uh, you know, and I just felt empowered to be like, look, I don't have to know everything to come in and say, hey, I wish this looked like this. Hey, I wish that this was grouped together with this so that I could get a good perspective of my warehouse costs. Oh, I wish that there was a way I could see revenue per brand that I'm working with or, you know, um, revenue per employee or these different things I wish I knew, but that I didn't know how to ask. And so I was insecure to do so. And so was holding my business back. And um, I just remember the moment like 
I mean, that time period has been, I came back from that and, and I believe Marknology changed in a great way for the better. I, I mean, my books are, my books are amazing. I actually got audited last year and they owed me $41. So nice. it's not a lot, but it was a uh, more of a moral victory, you know, in a lot of ways, but you know, when you're feeling that great about your books or like just being iron tight and being able to make good decisions for your business, it's all the difference in the world, uh, as a leader. So I know that took me a second, but I just wanted to lay like, you know, how valuable I really, really, really feel like this conversation is and um, in how like uh, as a leader, there's no way you can direct your business if you don't really understand uh, what's happening inside your business. And so, so many brands will come to me and say, hey, Andrew, we're not making money on, on Amazon or we're not profitable or I got my bookkeeper like, you know, my bookkeeper sent me a statement. How can this be possible? We're doing 50,000 in sales. Like, how are we negative? Um, and I need to be able to say, okay, I hear what you were told or I hear what you're saying. Let's get into the numbers. Let's look at profitability. Let's look at the books together and really see what area of the business needs our attention. Um, I'm sure it was running your own your own brands that really brought this idea kind of to life and seeing what people like, you know, understanding VAs, um, how they were helping you with different things and not other things and, and how you do that. Talk to me about just the birth of Ecom Balance, like, you know, with you and your partner and um, what was kind of the driving force at the beginning for, for creating it? Yeah, I mean, to, to kind of take a step back. So like a lot of entrepreneurs, when, when I started bookkeeping, was the last thing on my mind. And with the, the Amazon business, I was doing books myself eventually uh, and just wasting time every single month. And I didn't do it correctly. So my CPA just had to redo everything and charge me to do that at the end of every year. Then I tried hiring college kids. My business partner, Connor, his first job was doing QuickBooks and he wasn't a bookkeeper either. So I just wasted time and money there. And again, had to pay someone to fix it all at the end of the year. Uh, then I tried just not doing it and dumping it on my CPA at the end of every year and didn't really know how my business was doing it until the end. Then I tried quarterly and hiring a bookkeeper quarterly. And I realized it was too late to make any decisions. By the time I learned anything, three months had passed. And then finally I said, okay, I need a, a good monthly bookkeeping process where after the month ends, by the 15th, I get my books, I review them, and I make decisions on them. And that really helped us scale our Amazon business. Fast forward ahead, when we started FreeUp, we said we are hiring a bookkeeper from day one. We are not making that mistake again. And we hired a great bookkeeper, Marius, one of the best bookkeepers I've ever, or best hires I've ever made. And that alone was one of the best business decisions we ever made. Because even before we were super profitable or making a lot of money, we are super profitable or, or growing, I should say, um, we knew what the numbers were, we could make decisions, hey, we need more PPC freelancers on the platform, we need more customer service VAs, uh, like fixed prices working better than hourly, whatever. So we every single month, we were making good decisions. And that helped us scale from 5000 to a million $5,000 investment to a million to 5 million to 9 million to 12 million. And then when we went to sell the company, we had four years of immaculate books going back to the first day. And that helped us pass due diligence, earn a lot of trust with the buyers, obviously have a, a life-changing exit. So that was just a lesson that, that we learned. So down the line, when we're brainstorming business ideas, we kept going back to, hey, like we love the finance space. We, Connor and I uh, like, like personal finance a lot. We like business finance a lot, but we just know how important bookkeeping was. And if you're being honest, like most business owners don't sell their company. Most business owners don't get funding. They don't get investment. 
Yes, like monthly books makes tax season less stressful, but the real reason to do bookkeeping is to decision making. You don't just mm. make decisions off uh, off like some dream you had or gut or because you see money going to your bank account. You make it based on what your reports and actual numbers are saying every single month, and and that's how you you run a business. So Connor and I kind of learned that the the hard way, like a lot of entrepreneurs, and we're kind of on a mission to help people not do that and have clean books going forward, so they know how their business is doing and can make decisions off of that. It's so, 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 so important. And it's crazy how the more important something is or the more we avoid it sometimes if we don't know exactly how to tackle it, you know, and uh, what what could be more important than your cash flow, you know, understanding your cash flow, understanding, um, you know, if you've got a great D2C brand, you know, off Amazon, um, there's so much data you can get essentially to understand what's my conversion rate, what's my AOV, what's my customer lifetime value, what, you know, these are like e-commerce KPIs. But from getting all of that data, you can then predict, okay, if we do two emails a month and we do four guest posts and we do two podcast interviews and we do, you know, spend 1500 in Google ads and this, we know that we get this return on average. Like if you've, if you've been in business long enough and, and so from there you can then predict, okay, we need to have this much supplies. We need to have this much product on hand. We need to, you know, uh, we need to create, we need this many content creators. We need, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think the goal of being a good leader or CEO is making as many good decisions as possible, the right decisions, right? Um, not right or wrong, but good decisions. Um, and that's making them quickly. And by having data and metrics to help you make the right decisions, you shouldn't have to be going by gut. I think so many times when your books aren't right, you can be great and have great instincts, but you're making gut decisions and that can only go so long. You can make better decisions using your gut and data. You know, and so um, for me, I'm speaking to the choir because I'm telling you, I, I wanted to start with my story of just being insecure about like, you know, talking about these subjects. I could sit in a room and understand what was going on if they broke it down to me into plain English. If they were talking like, you know, all the abbreviations and ARR or MMR and, you know, I'm like, I, uh, what is this? I was just, you know, insecure about it. Um, but knowing it and feeling confident about it, it's funny how that then becomes something that you're very passionate about because you understood what kind of change that made for you and your business. Um, I know for a lot of bookkeepers, e-com is difficulty level high for, for uh, bookkeepers and accountants, just in comparison to like, let's say an agency or a service-based business where, you know, we might have a couple hundred transactions a month uh, in an agency, you know, I don't know, a thousand, uh, but you could have 20,000 in an e-com business or a hundred thousand. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what some of those differences are and like some of the pain points of, I guess, solving for e-com. For me, it comes to like the two week payouts and, um, you know, some of that stuff. What, what are the, some of the main problems, I guess, that you guys have helped solve for when, when uh, e-com brands are coming and asking for hope? Yeah, I mean, it starts with marketplaces, right? Walmart's different than eBay, different than, than Amazon. And what we've learned is you can't really connect from the marketplaces to QuickBooks or Zero, which are the only two bookkeeping softwares uh, you should use. But you need a connecting tool, Link My Books, A2X. Uh, those are the tool that, two that we use. And you, you have to be able to, to break down um, all the different fees that come in. A lot of bookkeepers that don't understand e-commerce, the, the top line of your income statement is the deposit that goes into your bank account. That's not correct. There's sales, refunds, returns, all the different fees in there before the net that's deposited in your bank account. So step one is sorting that out. 
and making sure that you are accounting for each marketplace's fees, mappings, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that's a great way to just understand if your bookkeeper actually uh, understands e-commerce. So starts with that, and then you get into accrual versus cash. Most uh, most e-commerce businesses need to be on under accrual, even though uh, you should talk to your CPA about that. Don't make that decision yourself. But if you think about it, like if you buy fifty thousand dollars worth of, worth of inventory. January is going to look pretty bad if all of that's showing up on January, but you're selling it over the next six months. If you're doing it accrual based, those sales are going to go with the actual, or those purchases are going to go when you actually sell it. And you're going to have a much more accurate idea of how much money you're, you're making every single month. Now, most e-commerce sellers just need to accrue uh, sales and cost of goods sold, and they don't have enough expenses in there to, to justify accruing those. But even just accruing sales and cost of goods sold gives you a much better picture. And not all bookkeepers are, are designed to, to do that. Um, and the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll kind of say there is just segmenting your books. You want to know, are you making more money on Walmart or on eBay? If you're selling on Amazon UK, is that a waste of time or, or something you should be doing? And there are a lot of sellers who are on marketplaces and spending a lot of time, energy and resources that aren't worth uh, those returns. So that's an important to, thing to, to keep in mind as well. Just like if you're running an agency and you were selling PPC services and SEO services, you want to know which one is more profitable. Yeah, let's talk about that a second. As I'm an agency and I own brands, I'm kind of fitting in both shoes. And, uh, you know, it's definitely not easy to get to uh, if you don't know how to communicate this to your bookkeeper. Uh, even what you want or what you need, they might not have an e-com background or an agency background. They're not going to know what data you need to see or what KPIs matter for your business unless you tell them. And if you're insecure like I was, you don't know where to start in beginning to have those conversations. I spent more time trying to understand what was already there in QuickBooks from the person that set it up before me and like what I should be learning about this or that or why they why they organize it this way or that way instead of being like, I can get this arranged in a way that makes sense to me so that I can make actionable decisions in my business. That sounds so easy. That was like a huge roadblock for me. Uh, simply understanding um, how to communicate those needs because I wasn't with a bookkeeper or a CPA that already understood it and knew what I needed ahead of time. So I don't think everybody's going to be like, okay, I'm just going to switch my bookkeeper and, and my CPA to Ecom Balance because they know everything about Ecom or agency and that's going to solve all my problems because those moves are big because people are loyal whatever, but you either have to figure out how to get your bookkeeper or CPA on board and on the same page as what you need, or, and that has to be through communication, being able to explain what those things are and having the knowledge, or you need to go find a partner that already knows these things that can help you get to where you need to be. Um, it's been a, probably a three-year journey for me to get to the level of detail that I'd like to be at in my business, which is segmenting the warehouse you know, first it starts out with warehouse income, warehouse expenses when you start a new venture, you know, and then it's okay, packing supplies. And now I'm getting my labor down there. And now I'm getting, uh, you know, if I've got any referrals or software fees broken down now, it's just not just software fees, but software fees broken down by department. So I can assign those to the different ones to see, okay, we only have these softwares uh, in my agency because of the warehouse need or because of a PPC need or because of whatever. Uh, I want to assign those costs to those, those divisions so to speak. Uh, and, you know, it starts out, it starts out very generic and gets granular. Um, but you talked about ways that you're working with um, e-com businesses. What are some of the things that you think are um, a lot of agencies that you guys are working with, like really struggle to, to dial in without a, um, an agency bookkeeper? Yeah. So let's kind of take a step back for a second. 
first of all, you should have a monthly finance meeting on your calendar every single month. And you don't miss that meeting for any reason. It's the most important meeting you have every month because that's the meeting that you're making decisions at. So you should have a good process where the month ends. By the 10th of the 15th, you get your books, income statement, balance sheet, cash flow, and you have this meeting on your calendar where with your partner, your team leader, your, your CPA, whoever you want to go through with, you go through income statement, balance sheet, cash flow, line by line. And if anyone wants my agenda, you can go to econbalance.com slash agenda. And it's the same meeting Connor and I have had for six years. You're looking at this month, you're comparing it to last month. You're comparing it to the same month last year. You're looking at certain margins like profit margin. Where What trend or uh, what direction are these going? Are your margins going up over time or down over time? And, and that's where you're making decisions on your business. So that's a, a big key there. And then the other side of it, before you even get started, is that proper setup. We talked about having like A2X or Link My Books if you're an e-commerce seller. If you're a business owner in general, you need QuickBooks Online or Zero. You don't want to use the GoDaddies of the world. You're just going to outgrow them and have to move all your data later. And you're going to struggle to fire, find bookkeepers that actually use those softwares if you ever want to switch. And you want to be careful of like the benches and the final loops of the world because not to, to bash my competitors, but they're the only ones that use that software. So if you ever want to get off of them, no one else uses those software. And again, you're going to have to pay all your for all your data to be moved or you're going to have all your data in two separate places. So QuickBooks Online or Zero, pick one or the other. Everyone has their pros and cons, but those are the only two you should consider. And we live in 2023. So QuickBooks on desktop, uh, not, not a great option unless you're really going to have a bookkeeper go into your office and do the work for, for the rest of your life. Um, and then it goes into the, the bank accounts and credit cards. I'm not a huge fan of profit first. I've never had an issue like holding money for taxes. In my opinion, simpler is better. You don't need 12 bank accounts to, to run your business, uh, especially early on. So keep it to one or two bank accounts, one or two credit cards, make it easy. Like for e-commerce, one credit card is all inventory. One credit card is everything else. Makes it pretty easy for everyone and you don't have to go through stuff um, every month. And make sure you're not intermingling personal and business. Hopefully people listening know that. You'll get in a lot of trouble with the IRS and lose all the protection from your liability. But you also don't want um, personal cards that are just used for business because that doesn't allow view-only access for your bookkeepers. So you want to have a business credit card, business checking account, business savings account, whatever you set up, and you need to make sure those banks have a view-only access feature to your bookkeeper. You don't want to give your bookkeeper full access to your bank account, just like you don't want your bookkeeper to own your QuickBooks Online account. You want to be the owner to protect yourself. So this would be. Are, I want to. I want to interrupt right yeah. there just for a second because I think there's some learnings there. Um, I think it can matter too if you're uh, got a local bookkeeper, right? Or you've got an overseas bookkeeper. Not not saying there's not pros and cons to one, but like I can go down to my bookkeeper's office and they're going to be there. Like, you know, if they're in my bank accounts doing crazy stuff or different things like that, um, we can sit down. If you're working remote or virtually, um, I think even better reason to be like extra secure, maybe creating separate emails for these types of things and just creating some uh, separation between something super important like a bank account or information. It took me a year and a half. You're talking about setup. And I think this is really great. You're talking about it because I'm in a sales course just to relate. I'm in a sales course and no one really talks about all of the technical integrations that really go into a great outbound sales team. It's actually like pretty uh, integrated from like getting your domains all set up, you know, and masked and clouded and like getting your automation set up and your integrations with LinkedIn nav and Apollo and 
everyone's just like, all right, sales, let's talk about sales. I'm like, well, there's this whole integration piece that if this isn't set up at, at first, um, nothing else will matter, like kind of a race car. Everyone just thinks about the race, not like the car being built that makes the, the race, you know, a thing. So back to uh, what you're talking about, about just like the setup, the tech stack, making sure that everything's in line so that it's like almost like if you're going to ask for help, make it easy for someone to help you and like, don't get yourself, you know, in a bind in that way. I think that's just like super great on the Amazon side. We would do exactly the same. You know, you're creating unique email addresses that, that aren't getting cross contaminated. You're making sure that you own it. Uh, Marknology has always been, uh, we're not going to like buy the inventory and sell it for you. Kind of like in the older model, I wanted to work as the brand under their account. Cause I knew it was the best thing for them. Uh, you know, we're building this brand as your account and we have, viewer uh you know access in that way okay so you're talking you were back you were talking about just like making sure you're, you're with a bank that um has the right type of permissions it took me a year and a half to switch from a bank like a local bank that was like just really friendly to me when i was starting my business to a different local bank but a bigger one that had basically all of the online features that i needed like i could wire transfer i could ach automation i could like do everything online get great reports online uh, it took me a year and a half to move over. I wish I had just started with picking a right bank or picking a right partner. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things, it's a pain to switch banks, but in six months, you're going to be happy that you did. Um, and, and the real reason for view only access is you want you don't want to have to download statements every month and send it to your bookkeeper. You want your bookkeeper to have view only access to your banks and credit cards. And it's one less thing you have to do every single month. And if you go on vacation, let's say in early in the month, your books aren't delayed because you aren't there to send statements. So the, the proper setup is important. It's going to save, save everyone time. Um, so, so really focus on, on that. And I mean, if you're an agency, we kind of already talked about segmentation, like really break down your services and make sure your bookkeeper is clear of what the different things you offer. If you start a new service, you're telling your bookkeeper so that they can uh, segment and have the, the right chart of accounts. And we have sample reports too. If, if you go to econbalance.com slash report or accountsbalance.com slash report, you can see what a good report looks like, income statement, balance sheet, cash flow, but more importantly, the actual chart of accounts. Because if you think of a chart of account as like every line item you have in your business, like a poor chart of account could be too small, right? All expenses put together, that doesn't tell you anything. Tough to make decisions on that. Or too many expenses where you could group everything into office supplies instead of having 10 different kinds of office supplies because you don't want your income statement to be 20 pages long. So all keeping that even if you're not going to use my service take a look at those reports and that's a great way to be like hey i like this or i want to move this line up here because that tells me something different um, but have a good standard for an agency or for an e-commerce seller where you know what you're looking for every single month i think that's amazing and um we'll have to get the guide back in the show notes i'm gonna have to follow up with you just those those two links that you suggested over uh because if, if anyone's like me and they don't know, they don't, maybe they don't have a bookkeeper internally and they're still doing their books. I wanted to know where my budget was and my money was like every single day. So for a long time, I had a, long, a hard time handing it completely off because um, that's where my business was. We didn't have that type of surplus in our bank account, right? I just really needed to know. Um, you have a hard time handing that off. Well, having knowing what good looks like is a great starting point to be like, you know what, mine doesn't look like this. I know that much. And so that can be a starting point to say, okay, what do I need to do to get to this, to this? So thank you for offering that. Um, we'll list it one more time in the show notes for anyone listening. Before I go into the next part, Nathan, 
Uh, shout out again to our sponsor, Fullscale.io. Finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit Fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Okay, back to you. Um, we were talking essentially um, about uh being able to segment out those things what came to my mind was uh every single month i get a breakdown of amazon expenses okay so amazon doesn't give a lot of clarity into what those those purchases are but i do a lot of my business spending on amazon so i've got you know 501 dollars here 240 dollars here 33 dollars here not everything is in these chunks um and some of it is office supplies, some of it's warehouse supplies, some of it's, uh, you know, photography equipment, some of it's cleaning supplies. It's all different kinds of stuff, you know, f even if it's just for the business and I'm not mingling them. Um, how, how, how granular do you need it broken down to, right? You know? Yeah, I mean, that can depend. I'm always a big fan of simpler is best. So that, that's something that like a good bookkeeping service and, and hopefully ours falls in there. Like you have a kickoff call with our team. So we have our standard chart of accounts that we use for agencies, we use for e-commerce, we use for real estate, whatever. Um, and then we go through your business and make tweaks based on one, what makes sense. And two, what's important to the client? What do they want to see every single month? What do they want to keep track of? And what are like the unique characteristics uh, of your business? So that's a good, great conversation to have with your bookkeeper. I feel like a lot of bookkeepers skip a step. They get all the access they need and they get started with the bookkeeping and they show you it once it's done. It's way better to get on the same page up front and, and have an example of a chart of accounts and make any tweaks uh, before you really get into it because it's a pain to kind of go backwards and fix everything. I love it. I love it. Talk to me about the importance. This is, might be a wild card for you. I don't know if you've heard this in a while. Uh, but one challenge I've had this year is working with more international brands. And um, a couple of them are, are very large brands, uh, in, in some cases, like a conglomerate out of Indonesia of food brands. Um, I have had to go through more paperwork than I knew of uh, in education around that. And um, there's, a, there's an expense involved in that, right? So I'm losing money on that client by having to have my bookkeeper and all these people, you know, get, it was like a certificate of residency and just some different things. Uh, I was right at the beginning of the year. So it was like, did it for 2022, happened to do it for 2023 each and every year. Um, just some things that were unknown. What are some of the things, uh, do you have international clients, I guess, on either end? And what are some of the challenges that, that you've seen or that are common or that, you know, that, that, that revolve around that? <laughs> Yeah. Keep in mind, we don't do tax. You should have a local tax professional in any country that you're selling on. Um, but bookkeeping is bookkeeping. It's generally accepted accounting principles. We have clients all over the world. Now we work directly with their tax person. And that's super important because if the tax person has a certain thing they need done or a certain thing that we need to be aware of, we need to have those communication channels open. So yeah, that, that's kind of my advice is to make sure you have a separate bookkeeper and CPA. Your CPA focuses on, on tax and you should have a, a tax person in any country you're in and make sure your bookkeeper and CPA are in communication. It blows my mind sometimes where the CPA doesn't talk to the bookkeeper until the end of the year. They should be CC'd on emails. Like clients give their CPA access to our client portal. We upload everything. If there's something we need to change or something we need to be aware of, because obviously we're not experts in like Germany tax law. Um, it's usually pretty simple as long as we get the information from that tax person. I love it. Um, and, you know, most most uh, advisors or mentors would tell you like having uh, a CPA on your board of advisors or someone on, in finance on your board of advisors is critical. Um, 
so having them, you know, you've got your legal, you've got your like, you know, tax and finance, maybe you've got, um, you know, any other number of, of PR, whoever you've got on your board of advisors, if you go that route, I have an unofficial board of advisors. But, um, you know, super, super important that they're talking. And I can tell you, I love my, my, uh, my CPA. She's been with me since the beginning. Like she's helped me do my books since the beginning. Um, but they had no idea about e-com. We've grown together. They didn't know crap about it. Um, didn't understand agency life either. You know, they work with roofing companies and lawyer companies and, you know, service-based companies are pretty straightforward. Um, so it was a, definitely a learning curve. I can speak from experience. Like there weren't, Econ balance wasn't a thing, you know, as an option. Um, and she's helped me through uh, a bunch, but we had issues like being on QuickBooks desktop at the beginning um, and then moving to QuickBooks online because that, that didn't make any sense. And uh, every now and then I've got to be, you know, reach out and be like, hey, guys, is this is this communication happening? Like I have to be proactive about it and make sure that all my teams are talking because, you know, they're business owners too, taking trips you know, losses in the family or births in the family or family events like that. Um, and it's just super, super critical that they're talking um, so that you can make the best decisions possible. If you're making, you know, database data driven decisions off of inaccurate data because certain teams aren't talking, um, you know, it can be the difference in, um, you know, thousands of dollars for your business at the end of the year. Uh, and, you know, having that advice where your books are current, you're coming into November, December, uh, you know, if you don't know exactly where you're at, you're not going to be able to say, hey, we should be maybe we need to make these big purchases before the end of the year uh, so they can be tax deductible or different things like that just gives you so much ammunition that you don't even really know about until until you know about it. You know, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, and it's a it's a constant learning for me. I just bought two more tax books off of uh, bigger pockets just because um, there's so much to learn. I've been doing business. I've been in business as an entrepreneur nine years. Um, I'm in an M&A class. I'm trying to learn about exits and and all that kind of stuff. And every single conversation revolves around your books. Absolutely. I mean, it's a core of your business. And it, just like hiring with, with outdoor school, like if you want to be an entrepreneur, you got to learn how to hire. There's no way around it. There's very few solo seven figure entrepreneurs out there. Same thing with bookkeeping. Like you can scramble and, and kind of makeshift it for a little bit, but at some point you're going to outgrow that and it's going to seriously hurt you. And you don't want to get to the end of the year and hire someone to go back 12 months. No one is doing that in two weeks. It's going to take them months to do it. We sold the company. It was the most stressful six months of my life. And that's with clean immaculate books. There are people that get to the end. They want to sell their company. Then they have to hire a bookkeeper to go back and do three years. Again, that's going to take months and months and only add to it. And you're going to lose a lot of trust with the buyers. So the, the time to, to clean up your books and, and get on a good monthly process is now. And down the line at six months, whatever it is, you're going to be really happy you did it. And once you get into that good monthly process where you know the month ends and you're about to get reports and how that month went and make decisions off of it, you, you, you wonder how you ever lived without it because that's really the lifeblood of, of everything that you're doing as a business owner. You're busting it all month. You're, you're hiring people, you're training people, and then you're, you're seeing the fruits of the labor in those monthly reports and, and also deciding how much to pay yourself, what to invest back in the company, if you want to invest more in hiring, whatever it is. Who deserves raises, right? Instead of just like exactly. going off your gut, you've got you can tie revenue to, to certain employees or certain brands. You know, you could have a small brand be like, let's get rid of these small brands as an agency uh, and be making more per brand on those than you are on some of the big ones. And if you're not, if you just don't have your bookkeeping correct, there's no way of knowing that. 
you know, it's, it's a gut. Well, this one's 8,000 a month and this one's 1,500 a month. Well, maybe that 1,500 a month is on cruise control, right? And, uh, you know, you have a, a highly efficient worker on that brand. Uh, they're not having to do much else. They take a couple calls, make a couple changes in PPC, you know, relatively low. You're tracking hours and you know, hey, man, we're making the $1,500. We're, we're clearing, uh, you know, 700 bucks. And in the $8,000 a month one, you're not even noticing that it's taking eight employees time and uh, staying overtime and their quality of life's going down. And, you know, you just can't make those decisions if you're just really looking at at the end of the day, 8,000 versus 1,500. So it's it it affects everything. Um, and if you're going to go get money, because, you know, if you're going to the bank to go get uh, financing or, or, or uh, anything like that in your business too, the quality of your books um, really speaks volumes for, for you as a business. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, like if you, if you are, have, if you have loans or anything like that, the banks are going to ask for things on a yearly basis and you have to be able to deliver and you don't want to lie to the bank or give them inaccurate information. That's going to crush you. So um, yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's tons of reasons to just have a good monthly process with a reliable bookkeeper that, you know, you're going to get it um, on time each month and it's going to really help your business. I love it, Nathan. This has been amazing. Um, <clears throat> as we kind of wrap up on the episode, Let's finish with just two questions I love to ask. One, what's something you're working on in the business or, or, or a different business that you're excited about? Just something like as, you know, we're in the second half of the year, something in your personal life uh, you're excited about outside of the fatherhood. Okay, so I want to make you work for this one. Um, something in your personal life, whether it's fitness, travel, music, uh, guitar, you know, what's something that you're, you're moving toward or that's, that's new that you're, that you're pumped about? Yeah. So business-wise, if anyone here is following Connor Gillivan on LinkedIn, my business partner, if you're not, go do it. Uh, he's an SEO whiz. He handles that part of the business. Uh, he's been crushing SEO for for all of our companies for for years and years. And we've we've been just brainstorming about um, launching an SEO business where we'll put out 10 to 30 high, super high quality, keyboard heavy blog articles every single month for, for larger businesses. And we've just been waiting for the right person to uh, run the business. We want someone who can run ops, who knows SEO, who can uh, manage that company. And we finally found someone, ironically, right before I was about to have a kid. Uh, so we we hired that person and we're launching it. It's called Trio SEO. If anyone wants to get on the wait list okay. on our site and uh, what works excited to, to do the same thing we've done for all of our brands uh, for, for other companies out there and looking for some beta clients now. Uh, I don't know if we'll, we'll already have that by the time people listening, but we're, with any company, we're a big fan of minimum viable product, get it out there, prove the concept, and then, and then grow from there. So uh, that's exciting from a business side. Uh, from a personal side, I'm a big just proponent of working out and doing HIIT workouts. Um, I do one hour intense HIIT workouts pretty much every day. And it's always been a dream of mine to have my own gym. So I mentioned to you, we're redoing our basement. That's towards the end of it. It's kind of a race against the clock basement versus baby right now. Uh, but I will have a gym in my basement that I'll be able to work in, work out in. And I have a bunch of friends that are into it as well. And uh, it's a lot better than just, um, I don't know, I, I used to live in a condo and I'd like work out in the kitchen. So I've kind of been through it all. It'll be nice to have my own space. No, that'll be amazing. If I come to Denver, you'll have to run me through a workout. I'll try not to die. Sounds um, good. Where were you at before Denver? 
So I grew up in Massachusetts and I then moved to Florida after college and we ran our, uh, we ran free up in Florida. We, we thought real estate was cheap and it was easy to live and it was a good place for a startup. It was a great place to exit a company with, without uh, state taxes and all that. Mm -hmm. and, and then after uh, we sold it, COVID hit, we were kind of stuck there with no business and my partner had moved to Colorado and I convinced my wife to do it. And then my whole family followed. So now we're all in Colorado. I love it. I love it. I was just saying Colorado's got to be a good spot to work out. There's a lot of different options, you know, uh, from biking to hiking to, to all of the above. So it's super amazing. I really appreciate your time, Nathan. It's been awesome having you on the show. One last time, where can people get in contact with you? I know we've talked about a lot of businesses. you got a lot going on. Um, you and your partner, where can they follow you on, on LinkedIn? Where can they follow you, uh, your websites? What, what, what's your go-to? Yeah, Nathan Herja on LinkedIn. If anyone wants to just check out a bunch of free resources I have, you can go to outsourceschool.com slash Nathan, and we have a bunch of stuff there for you that you can grab. And um, yeah, appreciate you guys listening. If I can help you in any way that has nothing to do with hiring or bookkeeping, uh, feel free to hit me up. Okay, and lastly, one last thing um, on accountsbalance.com um, and Ecom Balance, where were those links uh, for people to get a free checklist or, or what a good example of a report look like? Yeah. So if you go to econbalance.com slash report or accountsbalance.com slash report, the accounts balance one is an agency report. Econ balance is, for, uh, is an e-commerce report. Um, and then agenda, either one, accountsbalance.com slash agenda or econbalance.com slash agenda. I love it. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks again to our sponsor, Fullscale.io. Do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Let Fullscale help. They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit Fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions, then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, high-experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At Fullscale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit Fullscale.io. Thanks again to Fullscale, our sponsors, making this these podcasts possible. Uh, I love giving you guys value. Nathan delivered today. Thanks again for being on the show, and congratulations on, on, on the new one. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll see you in Denver soon. All right, guys. See you next time, hustlers. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.